Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of John. The Gospel record of John in chapter number 15. The Gospel record of John in chapter number 15. We're in a series of the Upper Room Discourse, which is dealing with Jesus pulling his disciples the night before he was to be crucified. And he's pulling them aside to encourage them, to teach them, to instruct them on the things that are going to happen in the next few days. And how they could survive, how they could endure the change of relationship and the change of stature with Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Of course, Jesus is not going to stay dead. He's going to rise again on the third day and he's going to live forevermore. He wandered with the with the disciples for 40 days and then he ascended up to heaven. And one of the promises that Jesus has already made to the disciples in this passage was that he was going to send another comforter. The word another meant something of the same kind. And the comforter, of course, being one that goes alongside with, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so for the second time, we're going to see Jesus Christ give some instruction dealing with the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity, who is job that when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit's going to come down and enable us to do the work that God has left us to do. With that being said, look with me in the gospel record of John chapter 15. The gospel record of John chapter 15. Notice with me in verse number 26. The gospel record of John chapter 15, starting at verse 26, the Bible says this, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, that ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? Because, but because I said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart... I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, 
Because the prince of this world is judged. And I have many, yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he will receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that is mentioned twice dealing with the Holy Spirit? If you don't mind, the first mentioning of the name of the Holy Spirit is in John 15 and verse 26. Notice the phrase, the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth, which is a name of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. Once again, that name is mentioned again in John 16. John 16 in verse 13, we see the name of the Holy Spirit mentioned. The Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach a message dealing with the Holy Spirit and Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit of Truth. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that we could depend upon you, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to teach us, to guide us, to tell us what we need to do, to exalt Jesus Christ through us. And we depend upon you now, Holy Spirit, that you would do your work tonight. That we could depend and trust on you to open up your word, to illuminate our hearts. We're asking that we could learn more about you tonight, God, through your precious word. Fill me with your spirit. Let me be used of you tonight. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ has taught his disciples starting in the upper room. He washed their feet and began to teach them. Judas Iscariot took off and he gathers the disciples together that remain and instructs them. And then finally at the end of chapter number 14, he stands up and says, boys, let's go. And immediately they took up, they stood up and they begin to walk from Jerusalem down the valley and up to the Garden of Gethsemane. Someone recently asked me about what time is this taking place and where we're at now. Well, we know that Jesus Christ, he prayed about three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then he probably prayed a little bit more that we have recorded in John 17. So if we were to do just a guesstimate, I would say it would be about between 10 o'clock to midnight at this current time. So it's late at night. The disciples have gone through a lot. And Jesus is trying to impart in them. Trying to use every last moment to teach them. To prepare them. To open their eyes. So that way they can withstand the next few days that are about to come. Jesus has already explained to them that he is the vine and they are the branches. Remember, we use the illustration of an apple tree. That Jesus Christ is the trunk. He's the main part of the tree. And that we are the branches that are supposed to bear fruit. Well, using that same illustration, it would be the Holy Spirit that would be the power, the fluid, the minerals, the, the, what they need, the tree needs that goes through the branch and goes, to, or goes through the trunk and to the branches. That would be the Holy Spirit inside of it. That we have to be plugged into Christ. 
But it is the Holy Spirit that brings this all there. After all, the disciples were just told by Jesus that without me, you could do nothing. There's a work to do and you can't do it. That's always encouraging to hear. In addition, that as you attempt to do God's work, people are going to hate you. How do you withstand that? So Jesus immediately begins to teach them once again about the Holy Spirit. The only way that this is going to happen is through the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit of truth. It is the Spirit of truth that will do the work. That you are just the vessels that bear fruit. It is the Holy Spirit that's going to do the work. So if you don't mind, let's take some time and examine this text. That Jesus begins to teach the disciples dealing with the Spirit of truth. The first thing I'd like to show you as Jesus is teaching about this is that the spirit of truth has a witnessing work. The spirit of truth has a witnessing work. We're going to see the different works that the spirit of truth has. The very first work that we see is that the spirit of truth has a witnessing work. Notice with me in chapter 15 in verse number 26. John 15 and verse 26, the Bible says this. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he, the Spirit of truth, shall testify of me, Jesus. This is where noticing the pronouns help out. You'll, as you notice through this text, there's a lot of times that we'll read through it and not notice the pronouns but when you notice the pronouns, you'll notice there's a lot of times that it's the Holy Spirit that's being referred to, and that's going to add a lot to the text. So here we see that he, the Spirit of truth, shall testify of Jesus. You know what the Holy Spirit's job is? To point to Jesus. To point to Jesus. To point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not point to himself. We know that there's some other friends out there who have a misteaching on the Holy Spirit that put an emphasis on the Holy Spirit that is wrong and pointing out that the Holy Spirit's pointing to itself and bragging on himself. The Holy Spirit does not do that. It does not put emphasis on itself. The Holy Spirit puts emphasis on Jesus Christ. It testifies of him that the Holy Spirit's job is to point to Christ because it's through Christ that people are saved. It is through Jesus Christ that people must be saved by the name of Jesus. Notice with me in verse 27. And ye shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Notice that word witness. The word witness is to be a witness of, to observe, to see. For example, if there was an accident right outside the doors here and the police come and we all file outside, that the police would be saying, did anybody see the accident? Well, someone can go up to the officer and say, hey, let me tell you what happened. The officer said, did you see it? No, but I'll tell you what happened. They'll set him aside because they want to see who witnessed it, who experienced it. And that we understand that the noun must perceive the verb before you could go witnessing. You must be a witness. Have you witnessed Jesus Christ changing life within you? Has there been a time where you accepted Jesus as your Savior and he changed you from the inside out? Well, then you could be a witness because everyone has a story that we're telling people what happened to us. And as we're telling people what happened to us, the Holy Spirit at the same time is doing a work. 
hold your finger here and look with me as the disciples are now carrying out what God has given to them in the gospel and the book of Acts, which is just a couple pages over from where you're at now. The book of Acts chapter number one. Remember that Jesus Christ, he's going to go to the cross where we're currently at and then he's going to die on the cross. He's going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. He's going to rise again on the third day and then he's going to walk with the disciples for 40 days. On the 40th day, he's going to ascend to heaven. In Acts chapter one, we see that Jesus Christ once again is walking with them to the Mount of Olives. And as they get to the Mount of Olives, they ask a question about prophecy and he says, none of that right now. But he does tell them something important in the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice this. But when ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So notice this. When do they receive power? When the Holy Ghost has come. It is the Holy Spirit that gives them power to witness. Notice this. But ye shall receive power that after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. Now once again we see this. That before they could go witnessing they had to have the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that testifies of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that does His work. You cannot do God's work on your own. It must be the Holy Spirit that does it. You are just the vessel. And so you understand the witnessing is going to be effective when we're dead to self. And it is the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. It must be God. Only God can do His work. And as the disciples are dependent on the Holy Spirit, they are going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then finally the uttermost parts of the world. Not because of them, but because of the Holy Spirit's power. It is the Holy Spirit's job to make us witnesses. We'll, we could dive into a whole lesson following that train of thought. But the first thing we wanted to see here as we're just giving an overview of what Jesus said is that the spirit of truth has a witnessing work. That the Holy Spirit enables the people to go tell people about Christ and it is the Holy Spirit that saves people. We don't do the saving. We are just the instrument used but we have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit power. We have to be dead to self and allow the Holy Spirit to do its own work. Get out of the way. You know how effective our witnessing would be is if we took more time to pray and die to self and then go out rather than just go out on our own? It has to be the Holy Spirit work. It has to be a change of mind for us to understand that it is God's work that must be done and we can't do it. It is the Holy Spirit that does it. As we turn back to John 16, we are seeing the work of the spirit of truth. That the spirit of truth, first of all, has a witnessing work. But Jesus describes another work that the spirit of truth has. That the spirit of truth has a reproving work. That the spirit of truth has a reproving work. Notice, if you don't mind, as Jesus sets this up in verse number 1 of chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you. That you should not be offended. Now the word offended here carries the idea to be made to stumble. It has the idea of a block that you trip over. That's what the word offended kind of carries the idea with. So he says, I'm teaching you these things so you don't stumble. 
I'm teaching you these things so you don't say, well, it didn't turn out the way that I want it. Fine, I quit. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you that it's going to be hard. People are going to hate you. I'm telling you, you can't do the work on your own. It has to be the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to teach you, boys, because in a matter of hours, your world is going to change. I'm trying to prepare you so you don't quit when you see me be arrested. I'm trying to teach you these things so you don't stumble, so you don't lose your faith when you see me crucified. I'm trying to teach you and tell you everything's going to be all right. That God's got a plan. Trust in Him. I'm teaching you these things so you'd not be offended. Verse number two. They shall put you out of the synagogues. That's encouraging works. Hey, just let you know, they're going to hate you. You're going to go preach and they're going to be mad at you. Imagine that. People don't like the preacher's message. Notice this. And they shall put you out of the synagogue. And the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. Now that's even worse. That people are thinking they're doing God a favor by getting rid of your message. Do you know that there's people today that still think they're doing society. They're thinking God is doing a favor by quieting people from preaching the gospel. They're doing the world a favor. They are the good guys in their minds. We're the bad guys. We have to, and he's saying, I'm teaching you this so you don't stumble, so you don't fall. You are going to be considered to be the bad guy, not the good guy. Verse number three, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Here we understand the reasoning. They're not mad at you, they're mad at God. That you can't take it personal when someone slams the door in your face. You can't take it personal when someone takes a track and rips it up and throws you in front of you. You cannot take it personal when people get mad at you because you're trying to do what's right. Because it's not about you. It's about God. Now Jesus is setting this up. Verse number four. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. Now Jesus said, now I know this is the first time you're really hearing this, but you didn't need to know this till now. I had other things to teach you. You understand that the Christian life is progressive learning, meaning that he takes something and he builds upon it, builds upon it, builds upon it, builds upon it. He's going to touch it a little bit later, but there are some things you don't understand now. You don't understand now. I could teach you and you won't understand it. But you have to have maturity and experience. Then later it'll click and you say, I understand now. I get it. You see, there's no such thing as a super Christian. Meaning that as soon as you get saved, you know everything. Doesn't happen. You have to keep progressing and learning and understanding. There are some things that I understand now, saved for 30 plus years, that I didn't understand 10 years ago. Things that I'm still learning and maturing. That, that's a, a, a revealing, progressive learning, the Bible says. The, he, Jesus is saying, you didn't need to know this stuff before. But now, I'm about ready to go to the cross. I'm trying to give you this stuff now. And you may not understand it now. But I'm giving it to you so later on you'll remember it and go, I understand now. I get it. <laughs> he was trying to teach me that. Notice if you don't mind. In fact, let's go back and just reread that again as I just explained it. John 15, 16 rather. Notice with me in verse number 4, 4 uh, 16, 4. 
But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to join him that sent me. And none of you ask, whither goest thou? Here, the disciples didn't even inquire how leaving would affect Jesus. You know, they're thinking about themselves now. But they didn't even think about how's this going to affect Jesus. After all, he's the one going to the cross. He's the one that's going to die. He's the one that the people are going to lie against. He's the one that's going to be scourged. But they're thinking about themselves. Isn't that typical of our selfish nature? That we're not even thinking about how things affect Jesus. Even today, we often think about how things affect us. But you ever think about how Jesus' heart is breaking over people? You ever think that he gets frustrated, brokenhearted because people aren't getting it, aren't understanding? Have you ever thought about what Jesus feels about? Jesus is a real person, isn't he? He's a real being. Doesn't he have feelings? He does. And Jesus rebukes them and says, hey, this whole time you've been thinking about yourselves. Notice that, uh, let's read five and six together. But now I go to way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? Because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your hearts. When Jesus is telling them, I'm going to go die on the cross, they're feeling sorry for themselves. And don't have their eyes on Christ. Even at this time, Jesus is saying, look up, look at me, look at me, look at me. Now, if you don't mind a little segue, Jesus' disciples had traveled physically with him for three years. Every day, night and day, for three years. Don't you think that if anybody would have an understanding of looking up to Christ to be the disciples? And don't you understand that we, who are not physically with Christ... Maybe we may have some of the same issues. Keep looking at Christ. Keep looking at Christ. Keep looking at Christ. We often look and see how things affect us. But we don't think about how things are affecting Jesus Christ. Now Jesus is teaching them some things before he starts going back to the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 7. Nevertheless... So now he's turning the subject. I know all these things are going to happen to you. And I know that you're looking at yourselves and saying how it's going to affect you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. The word expedient carries the idea it is for your benefit. This is to help you. This is beneficial to you. I tell you it is expedient for you that I go away. Imagine that statement. Jesus is telling him, he's walking to the cross. He says, boys, I'm going to die soon. Boys, I'm going to be arrested. Boys, in just a couple days, everything changes. But let me tell you that while you're feeling sorry for yourself, I'm going to tell you a truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. It is for your good that I leave. This is for your help. I must go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart... I will send him unto you. Now think about this. That if Jesus is here physically and he doesn't go away, guess who we're going to trust to do the work? Jesus, because he's there. But Jesus, while he's in the body, is only at one place at one time. 
But when the Holy Spirit comes, instead of having one person doing the job, the Holy Spirit, who is God and just as good as Jesus Christ, can now do the job through many vessels if we allow him to. Think about this. What benefit is it to us if Jesus does all the work? Would it be more beneficial to us if we are a vessel that's used of God to see the work done? God wants to use you. And it is to your benefit that the Holy Spirit is going to use you. That you get a part in seeing God's work get accomplished. That it is good for us. Now, what is the Holy Spirit going to do? Verse number 8. And when he is come, now this notice pronouns, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, the spirit of truth will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now he explains it in detail, verse number 9. Of sin, because they believe not on me. One of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin. That the Holy Spirit has enough power that he could convict even the hardest heart. He could convict and point his finger on you and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is sin. This needs to be fixed. The Holy Spirit's convicting power is a wonderful thing. You understand, that is something that we can't do physically. We can't touch anybody's heart. We can't convict anybody's heart. But if we're dead to self and the Holy Spirit's doing it, that as we speak, the Holy Spirit's poking them. Sometimes you don't even have to speak that if God has his presence on you, just being around you is enough. I remember several years ago in a different place, I was in a church, and we prayed specifically that God's Holy Spirit would be powerful within the church and that people would feel the presence. That it would be so powerful that as people walked in the door, that they would automatically sense a holiness and they would take it seriously. That it would be so manifest that it would be around the parking lot and around the street. And an amazing thing happened is that someone came into the service and they said, we were just driving down the street and all of a sudden we hit a spot and I just felt like something I needed to get right. And we looked and there was a church there and we turned into the parking lot and they got saved. You understand the Holy Spirit has the convicting power and can convict people of sin. And let them know that. Too often, if you don't mind, we try to be the Holy Spirit. We try to convict people of their sins. And it does not work. Because it is not our job to convict people of sins. It is the Holy Spirit's job. That we cannot be the Holy Spirit to someone else. It is God's job to convict people of sin. Notice something else the spirit of truth will do. Verse 10. Of righteousness. Because I go to my father and you see me no more. That the Holy Spirit's job is to also work in righteousness. To tell people this is right. To put the spirit of, of holiness up there. So people can say this is where we're supposed to be. I need to be right. To show me what is right. That's when the Holy Spirit's job is. Verse 11. Of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. There's something about conviction. To understand that they're guilty before God. That's part of what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. Is to convict people of their sin. To let them know that they're a wretch. To let them know what they've done wrong. And that's a good thing because then they can get right. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so we see here that the spirit of truth. He has 
a reproving work. His job is to reprove. There's something else that we see here of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit has several works to do. The Holy Spirit of truth, it has a witnessing work. The Spirit of truth, it has a reproving work. But we also see something else here. The Spirit of truth has a revealing work. The Spirit of truth has a revealing work. Notice with me in verse 12. And I have yet many things to say unto you, but notice this, but ye cannot bear them now. Once again, we see this idea that Jesus says, I got plenty of things to tell you, but there are some things that I can't, you don't, you can't bear them now. You can't understand. Now we're going to explain what Jesus is going to do here with the Holy Spirit. But you understand, they traveled with him day and night for three years, and yet there are some things they don't understand. You understand just because you go through a discipleship, or evening school, or a college course, does it mean you understand everything about the Bible? You know that there's still more things that you could learn? And there's some things that if you were told now, you wouldn't understand. Because the Christian life is progressive growth. You have to learn and learn and learn. And there are some things that you understand as you grow with the Lord that you wouldn't understand as a younger Christian. There's so much to learn. There's never a place where you arrive and say, I know it all. I've got it handled. Because you're in a dangerous spot then. Notice, if you don't mind, what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Verse number 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he, the spirit of truth, will guide you into all truth. For he, the spirit of truth, shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. Now, Jesus said, you don't understand. There's some things you don't understand later. But guess what? The Holy Spirit, he's going to teach you things to come. Verse number 14. He shall glorify of me because he shall receive of mine, and he shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. We see that he has a revealing work. Now what is he talking about here? What is this revealing that he's talking about that the disciples don't understand now, but one day they're going to understand, and the Holy Spirit's going to give it to them? You know what the Holy Spirit's job is to do? Is to write the New Testament. And he's going to use them as human penmen. That as you look through the through the whole uh, the gospel records, the gospel records has Jesus Christ walking with his disciples. If you did not have the book of Acts, the next book is the book of Romans. That you start off in the gospel records, Jesus and his twelve disciples as they're traveling around doing good things, doing miracles. Then all of a sudden, in the book of Romans, you have a church and people are meeting the church and they're having doctrine and they have thing about salvation. Then you come to the next book, which you come to the book of First Corinthians, and here's a church that's having problems and they're rebuking them about things that Jesus did not reveal to them. Who revealed it then? If Jesus didn't tell them how to run a church, how did they get this information? The Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit's job was to reveal the, old, the New Testament unto them. And Jesus told them about that. Notice with me in John chapter 14. Let's see as the Holy Spirit is going to reveal each part of the New Testament. Notice with me in John 14 verse 26. Jesus has already spoken about this. John 14 verse 26. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I've said unto you. What he's talking about there. Is that God is going to reveal 
through the Holy Spirit, the gospel records. And John 14 verse 26 is the gospel records. He says, you know, all the things that you experienced, don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to recall it back to your mind so you could recall it. The gospel record of Mark was written about 20 years after the fact. And that was written from Peter's perspective. The gospel record of Matthew was written uh, shortly after that, about the same time. 20 years after that, you have, <coughs> excuse me, you have, <coughs> excuse me, you have the gospel record of Luke, who Luke did some research and traveled around and got eyewitness experience and testimonies, trying to do a good job, but it was the Holy Spirit that brought these things back to people's mind that they could remember 40 years after the fact. You have the gospel record of John, which we're in now, that has a lot of detail. Jesus, it spends a lot of time in the last week of Jesus Christ's life, and it gives a lot of detail, including all of his sayings. John, when he's writing this, is 90 years old. How good is your memory at 90? And you know what the Holy Spirit did? Is he recalled all these things back to his mind. So that way we can have the Holy, uh, the gospel records written not from memory, but by the Holy Ghost bringing this back. So we could have exactly what occurred. And we see the gospel records. But that's not all. Turn back with me to John chapter 15. John 15, we know that the gospel records is not the only part of the New Testament. Notice, if you don't mind, in John 15. And notice with me in verse 26 and 27. But when the Comforter is come, and I will send you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Here we have the book of Acts. That is, the Holy Spirit fills these disciples. They're going to travel, just like Acts 1.8 said. They're going to start at Jerusalem. Then, what's going to happen is that they're going to go to all of Judea. Then they're going to Samaria, Acts chapter 8. Till finally, in Acts chapter 12, the uttermost part of the world. And we have it recorded as it's occurring. So we have the gospel record of Acts as they're traveling out. By the way, the gospel record of Acts is the transition book. Remember what I said before. If you start the gospel records and then jump to Romans, you say, what in the world happened? Well, what in the world happened is the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the transition as they go from Jesus Christ and being his followers to them being the leaders and establishing churches and reaching all the world, not just Jewish people, but the Gentile people and learning and experiencing and letting God formulate all the rest of the doctrine that is found throughout the New Testament. That a lot of things that were given in seed form that is now fully revealed in the gospel records or in the rest of the New Testament. Notice with me in John 16. The, the Bible is not done yet. Notice with me in John 16. Notice with me in verse 12 and 13. I have many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. What we have in verses 12 and 13, what we have there is the epistles. The epistles starting in the book of Romans, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You come to the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You have those epistles. You go all the way down to uh, Philemon. 
1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. You come to the book of uh, Philemon. You come to the book of Hebrews, 1 uh, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Then you come to the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, those epistles. This is what's being talked here, is that God is revealing unto them more doctrine. Some things that they did not understand. If you go look in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and you look at Peter right now, and then you look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you could tell that Peter grew up some. You could tell that he's matured some. There's some things he understood in 1 Peter and 2 Peter that he does not understand as Jesus is telling them now. What happened here? Well, he grew and matured, but it was the Holy Spirit that revealed unto him and showed them how to take care of problems, how to take care of this and how to take care of that. So we could see that the Holy Spirit has prophesied that it's going to reveal the epistles but there's one more part of the New Testament that the Bible speaks about. Notice with me in the book of Revelation chapter 6, or sorry, John 16, John 16. Notice in verse 13 again. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you on all truth. For he will not speak of himself, for whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Notice this. And he shall show you things to come. And he will glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. Here we have the book of Revelation. The things that are in the future. The things that are yet to come. And it's the Holy Spirit that writes all of these things. And we can see that Jesus Christ has pulled his disciples. And he is putting his stamp of approval on the New Testament. That the New Testament is valuable. Now the reason why I say this is because for the first several years within the church. The first century church. All that they had to use was the Old Testament scriptures. And by the way, the Old Testament scriptures are good enough. That's why we teach the, Holy, the, the Old Testament scriptures. But Jesus is putting his endorsement that there's going to be new scripture being written. And he approves it. That it's not something that's lost books. It's not something that man put in. This is something that Jesus said, this is going to be put into scripture. And I'm letting you know that these things are going to happen. And it's not your job to write scripture. It is the Holy Spirit's job to write scripture. And it is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that will do. So let's summarize this really quick. We understand that the Holy Spirit's main job is to exalt Christ. The Holy Spirit's main job is to always look at Christ. That the Holy Spirit was to be a living exegesis or a living example of, of Christ. Just like Christ was the physical representation of God. Remember, God is Jesus robed in flesh. Jesus is robed in flesh. So we can understand who God is. Well, Jesus is now ascended. Now the Holy Spirit has come. And we can understand Jesus because the Holy Spirit lives within me. And as we depend on the Holy Spirit, he can guide us into all truth. Jesus taught people to, th to think big of God. Whereas the Holy Spirit teaches people to think much of Christ. That the Holy Spirit's job is to keep people's eyes on the Lord. That's his job. And so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. What is this truth? Jesus is truth. Keep your eyes on him. Everything that has been done is for his honor and his glory. It's all about Jesus. As for us today, we just need to be reminded just to let God do his own work. The Holy Spirit can do its own work. It is big enough. It is powerful enough. We just need to get out of the way and let him do his own work. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.